We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. The Suns lost one and it is now tied 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> Sam, how you doing? I'm doing not great, but here we are anyway. Uh, you <laughs> know, that that was worse than Game 2. Um, game 2 sucked, Mike, and that was worse than Game 2. How do you feel? I agree with that. I think the, the part about Game 2 that was worse was just Devin Booker, of course. Yeah. Uh, leaving the game but I think this is one of those games and one of those podcasts I should say that remind me of why analysts are often not fans because it's tough because I am one and I want them to win and I feel bad when they don't and I feel bad when I see them uh, playing badly or being sad after the game I've, I you know I have an emotional attachment to the team and to yeah. the game more than an analyst should and, and most analysts make some sort of effort to not be a fan and I understand why now I think you know these playoff games recording these ones after losses are, are I think are, are one of the harder parts of our jobs if you want to call it that but I'll say this I have been very open mostly on Twitter because we haven't we're just reacting to games and podcasts so we don't have a lot of time to set narratives up or set talking points up on these podcasts but I've been very open with my thoughts that once Devin Booker was out I think this is a more even series than a lot of people realized Mm -hmm. and having said that the Suns being able to steal one in New Orleans after losing one at home and then losing the, the second game in New Orleans that to me was in my mind a best case scenario I thought there was a chance that the Suns could lose both of those games role players play better at home they tend to make more shots, play a little better. The crowd's on their side. Things go better for role players at home. So to win one and, and lose one was not a surprise to me. Having said that, the way the Suns lost this game, exactly. I think, is yeah. what hurts more. Because, uh-huh. you know, losing a close one where role players are just hitting threes and stuff like that, uh, you know, almost like game two, 
that that's a different story. But for Chris Paul not to show up in the fourth and to just not look right, and we'll talk about that in a second, mm-hmm. and for the rest of the players to not really get any rhythm, and in a game where they kind of did hit some threes, it's a tough look for me. I mean, it was a combination of factors. I think you're exactly right, by the way. It's like if you leave here with a five-point loss... I'm not going to say you don't sweat it because you sweat it if it's a if it's a tied series going back to Phoenix. You don't like that situation, but you take it. You you take being able to split that 1-1 series. To have to fight and scrap your way to the Game 3 victory like they did, which was really just carried by Chris Paul in the fourth quarter just to, just to get a slight victory, and then to flop over and, and take this ass-whooping that they did tonight, mm-hmm. um, that really kind of came from both ends unfortunately i mean they they still shot like shit they shot 26 percent from deep which actually is pretty good for them this series but like Mm -hmm. relatively speaking that's still shooting like shit they never found an offensive rhythm defensively they were struggling all night uh their screen navigation uh, in the first half was terrible they weren't able to properly pressure brandon ingram who was just continues to be terrific this series by the way if you had any reservations about brandon ingram and who he was as a player going into the series you should now have a lot more respect for for his offensive talent because I think he's definitely demonstrated that at every single level. Um, yeah, man, it was tough. Um, and it's it's the way you lost here. I, I mean, like, you look at something like the rebounding, which we owned in on so much over the past few games. Yes, they still lost the rebounding battle, 19 to 12 offensive rebounds, in fact. But for a significant portion of this game, it wasn't that bad i think it was like i checked the box score at some point in the third quarter it was like 13 to 10 in favor of new orleans and i was like you know what they're honestly for for as good as you could expect with this level of roster personnel you could this is pretty good for them um but everything else just nothing coalesced they did a great job getting into chris paul's head and every single role player pretty much maybe with the exception of deandre ayton floundered Aiden was uh, great, and, yeah, and did not rise to the occasion around right. Chris Paul. And if Chris Paul is going to have a game where he has four points, and again, we should bring that up. I, I think we should talk more about that. But Chris Paul is going to have a game where he's mostly taken out of it by whoever, uh, and you can't get anyone else to get into a rhythm. You're dead in the water. That's just how it is with this team right now. Yeah. If you lose the offensive rebounding battle or the rebounding battle in general, then you have to win other aspects of the game. And in this game. They lost the turnover battle for the first time. And if you lose the turnover battle and you're the Suns, who one of your biggest strengths is not turning the ball over, that's a disaster. And it was 12-8 to in favor of the Pelicans in this game. The Suns, of course, ran away with the assists. But the thing about running away with the assists here, like the Suns had 33 to the Pelicans 20. Of course, they're going to do that. The difference is they have shot makers. They have Brandon Ingram who can score over and over and over again without an assist. And that's a huge deal in a game like this. And that's why they were able to capitalize. 33 assists, by the way, is actually for a game where you score 103 points. 33 assists is like really impressive. That's yeah. a lot of fucking assists. But they don't have difficult shot makers in a fourth in in a fourth quarter situation other than yeah. Chris Paul. Um you know, they're at a 2-1 disadvantage. We've talked about that plenty. And we should say because this is an important note. Uh somebody who's at the game his name is Olel, oh sorry, Ole Kozel. Forgive me for Ole if I'm, I'm pronouncing your name incorrectly, but he is a Pelicans writer who was at the game and he said at halftime, one thing to keep an eye on, Chris Paul did not look very comfortable warming up at halftime. He kept flexing his left hand after every shot. Sun's training staff played around with his hand in the midst of all that. And then he mentioned Chris Paul's shooting. Look, I don't know. I know that 
a lot of credit will go to Herb Jones, who deserves it, and Alvarado, who also deserves it. I think both of those guys played incredibly today. Herb Jones, some spectacular highlight blocks. But look, we've seen Chris Paul for a long time. Four points, only eight shots. Something's wrong. <laughs> I, I don't need. I don't even need that tweet to know that something's wrong. Yeah. We've seen great defenders matched up on him before. We've seen rookies matched up on him before, and we know how that usually ends. So credit to them for playing as well as they did. And I think even if Chris, Chris Paul was healthy, I think the way that they played would have gotten in his head. But something's not right, I think. And and look, as bad as it's gotten with, with Devin Booker out, that's that's a death knell. That's that's a death sentence if Chris Paul is not right, which he could be by the next game. Maybe it's something minor. Uh, maybe it's just something I mean, that bothered him for it, this game. Yeah, he played through it. He had to play through it unless it was serious. I understand why. Um, unfortunately, I agree with you. I mean, we, we know Chris at this point, and we know he likes to play the facilitating role for the first three quarters and then take over the fourth quarter. Obviously, that means that He's not, you know, he doesn't typically finish with a ton of shot attempts in terms of sheer volume. But if the team's down going into the fourth quarter, and it doesn't matter who you put on him and how much you pressure him full court, 94 feet, whatever, if he's shooting like shit, he's still going to get like 14, 15 shots up if he thinks it's going to win the team the game. The fact that he only got up eight uh, tonight in 35 minutes is definitely concerning. Something's um, going on. Yeah. I think, I think he would have, I think we would have seen, even if he missed, I think we would have seen more mid range desperation heaves uh, as we got down into the fourth corner and it never never really came at all um it's really depressing by the way that uh you know i know you said credit to herb jones and jose alvarado but herb jones you posted that hit that he had on chris paul early in the game i mean that was a bad hit dude yeah right in front of the ref too right in front of the ref no call a rookie on a legend for the most part in this game you know the suns obviously a major storyline here 42 free throw attempts for new orleans 15 for phoenix Look, I know people are mad at the refs. I know people are always going to be mad at the refs. Like the Herb Jones thing that I was just mentioning, especially if that's the thing that hurt Chris Paul's hand. I That's pure speculation on my part. But like that was a bullshit I don't, I play. I think that was after that for the record. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. That, regardless, it was a bullshit play. It was the exact thing that got Jackson Hayes thrown out of the game the, the game prior. So that sucked. That being said, a 42 to 15 free throw disparity, that's just the Suns roster personnel unfortunately doing what they kind of always do. And they've always struggled with that, and it gets a lot worse when Booker is no longer in the lineup. And you can tell it's just guys who are not actually that comfortable, even when they drive. You know, it's guys like Mikhail Bridges had a couple of really, really pretty drives in the first half. But what did he do every single time? These little finesse kind of scoop layups where he avoids as much contact as possible, which if that is a way for guys to avoid injuries throughout the course of a long season, you know, to an extent I get it, but they just don't have guys who can punish a defense and get to the free throw line. And it hurts them. It really adds up over a series like this. Yeah, it really, really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Chris Paul was not quite right and campaign was playing normally, <laughs> that's a different yeah. story. But the fact that Chris Paul is not quite right and campaign once again, missed every three-pointer he attempted, most of them badly, and it's just not right. And look, I'll say this. During our playback stream of Game 3, which was a blast and, you know, a fun game, obviously, I made the point of saying Aaron Holiday ended the season poorly, and we sort of saw the cracks with Aaron Holiday's games. I understand why people are clamoring for him now. I absolutely do. Because, listen, campaign has earned the right to stay in these games. And I think his speed still helps the game a lot. 
But if you can leave campaign wide open and go way under screens, that affects everyone. It really affects everyone because it makes them easier to defend. Mm-hmm. So I understand why people are, are, are clamoring for Aaron Holiday now. And I think, look, Monty does different things than I would expect at times. But I think there's a chance that we do see him. I hope it's not Alfred Payton. I'll just say it right now. I think there's a chance that we see Aaron Holiday at some point in the place of Cameron Payne if he continues to play as badly as he as he does. Maybe not in the first half. Maybe it's the second half of the next game. What do you think? <sighs> Uh, yeah, I'm not uh, necessarily against moving towards anything at this point. I'll just say that you're you're in this situation now. I think you have to think about experimenting for sure. Monty's been pretty stubborn this series. Um, maybe he had the right to be up until they got punched in the face again tonight. I don't know if he's going to make changes, guys. I don't know if he will. 18 minutes for campaign tonight. 20 minutes for Landry Shaman. I guess that makes sense. I'm just kind of giving my first thoughts as I look over mm-hmm. the box score. I haven't really analyzed the box score to this mm-hmm. point. Um, JaVale McGee played 13. JaVale had a funny game, by the way. I don't even know if it's another good answer, game. But I don't, I don't agree. I, well, I, I know what you mean. Defensively. It was, it was a disaster. I and think they did he a good a, job of countering. I that. think, I think he had a completely neutral game, which is incredible to do when you shoot a hundred percent on seven. shots. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I think he, I think he yeah. scored 14 points in 13 minutes and he probably gave up 14 points in 13 right. minutes, which is right. pretty incredible. <laughs> um, so I, I couldn't believe that at some point he was fronting. He was just yeah. fronting Valanchunas and like he gave up yeah. essentially a shot. That's actually how Tory Craig got dunked on at the rim. If oh we're really, really going to talk got, about it, it was JaVale's Torrey played, fault. Tory played 10 minutes tonight. He got punked. Yeah. He got Ingram, Ingram was so good in this game. He got destroyed tonight. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah. Man. Uh, okay, fuck. I was just thinking about this. All right, what's the adjustment here? So you're telling me the only adjustment is Aaron Holiday over campaign? No. Is that where we are? No. We're not, just, we're not at the issue right portion one, right? of the series, are we? I, honestly, I think I am, and I was going to say that. Interesting. And here's right, what I'll say. It. Give me about, your pitch. Give me your here's pitch. what I'll say about both Aaron Holiday and Ish Wainwright. They will scrap and they will fight and they will similar actually to what Herb Jones and and uh, Alvarado do in that they don't give up on any plays because they're playing extended minutes, which is part of the Suns issues here. Right. They're giving up a little too early on plays. They're not fighting. They're not scrapping. We know Ish Wainwright does that. It's just something that he does. And I think that's something that you could do. You can play him. What's the point of having him if you're not going to try, especially if they're going to continue to counter JaVale minutes. Like at some point, maybe you force them to go small against you. They just have to hit shots. Look, that's a big part of it. Maybe you, you go small and you don't hit shots. It doesn't matter anyway. But assuming there's the, a regular number of shots or slightly below that, which is better for this series than they've been, I think that the fight, it's sort of the Javon Carter theory, right? You put Javon Carter in, everyone's effort goes up a little bit. The fight that exists with Ish Wainwright could help this team as a whole. I think right now they're playing without it. At the end of the day, we're talking about moves on the margins. I'm not against any of them. If Chris Paul is is fine next game, and again, no, like I don't even know. I don't think any reporters are going to ask him about what we're speculating about. And they tonight. won't say anyway. Think, yeah. They won't say anyway. But uh, yeah, I mean, none of it matters. <laughs> if, uh, if he's not 100% the way campaign's playing, you know, like Aaron Holiday campaign, Alfred Payton, take your pick. Uh, it's it's game over. Good night. So hopefully, everything starts with Chris Paul and he's fine. And yeah, then I guess we can discuss the other stuff from there. Um, man, 
Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges. What do we got to do, man? I was hoping we would have a 20-point breakout from one of them tonight. It just, it just none felt of them, like... Yeah. It just felt like the night. You know, Mikhail showed us some stuff in the first half and then zero points in the second half. He played 41 minutes again, not by a the great, way. Not a great game for him offensively. I think he's still just doing a good job on CJ. I mean, I do think that. He has uh, credit to credit to CJ on defense, by the way, in the fact that we thought Mikhail would be able to take what he showed us in spurts uh, in the regular season and kind of extrapolate it to where he punishes smaller matchups with that mid-range shot. It is game four. We're at the end of game four, and he has never, I'm not sure if he has even once really successfully punished CJ McCollum uh, with those mid-range shots. He, he just hasn't. He, he tries to use his weight. He doesn't get anywhere. He has to settle in like the 16 to 18 foot range, takes a tough turnaround shot, and none of them have gone. Um, and he once again did not make a three. We talked after the last episode about how he's just kind of playing a different role in the offense right now, but also it's just, it, that's Credit goes to the Pelicans there as well. The fact that you have another game where Mikhail Bridges plays 41 minutes and he only attempts two threes mm-hmm. in the first place doesn't make either one of them. So they've done a really good job just kind of taking this guy who, let's be honest, we've put a lot of stock in. Mm-hmm. We've put a lot of stock in Mikhail Bridges. And yeah. We've talked in the past about even if Mikhail Bridges, he never improves beyond the offensive player he currently is. The defense means that he was worth the contract that he signed, and I do firmly believe that. But we've also put a lot of stock in, hey, this guy... Look at this playmake. Look at these flashes uh, of playmaking. Look at these flashes of scoring. You know, at three levels in the mid range as well as the threes, uh, he could be something offensively, and they've needed him to kind of be something offensively in this series, and he really hasn't been. So it's just been tough. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. It's funny how the impact that Devin Booker has on the offense is downplayed at times because the passes maybe aren't directly coming from him to a lot of these players who end up scoring because, you know, taking their best defender away from the initial actions, the ability to draw so many players when it comes to the gravity that he provides on the floor. Not to mention, he's one of the only guys who can, on his own, attack and transition. He gets to the free throw line. And he can, what, but right now I would say he's the only player on the Suns that can create from the three-point line because none of them are doing a good job. I mean, there are times where Cameron Payne does a great job at it, but right now that's completely left him for whatever reason. So the impact can actually be felt here. You know, and even, even just to mention it, Jay Crowder shoots better from three on passes from Devin Booker. Cameron Johnson shoots better from three from passes from Devin Booker. Cameron... Payne shoots better from three on passes from Devin Booker. These are not things that necessarily are fully like explicable. I don't know exactly how to explain why that is. Obviously, Devin Booker draws a lot of attention on his drives, and maybe they're more wide open. Yeah. Uh, but those are stats that have persisted over the course of multiple seasons. Um, Mikael Bridges is one of the only ones that shoots essentially the same from both Chris Paul or Devin Booker. So these guys struggling without Devin Booker in the lineup is not much of a surprise to me. I, I, this is probably a tough listen for a lot of Suns fans, and I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, su- I'm sure it is, and you know, fewer people will listen, and that's fine. Shout out to the people who do. I guess we could still talk about some adjustments for Game 5. But well, what yeah, I'll say is this. just feels It sucks right now. It fucking stings. It, so. Yes, and, and what I'll say is this. Look, the reality of us, you and I, Sam, is that we've, we've sort of made a promise to always be honest about how we feel about stuff, whether or not... It's it's entirely positive, and that means that the true analysis for this series is not entirely positive. If Chris nope. Paul is back to what he can be, it's still a dogfight, honestly. It's still going to be incredibly difficult to pull out this series. Right now, it's a three-game series. They have to win two of those three games. Game seven is at home. Maybe Devin Booker's back by game seven, right? That would help a lot. Maybe he's back by game six. That would help a lot. Maybe he's not. We don't really know at this point. The timeline that's been put on his injury is entirely from Brian Windhorst, and the Suns have only ruled him out for two games. You know, th- Not to say that he'll be back for Game 5. I, I doubt that. And if there's any risk of him being further injured, they shouldn't do that <laughs> at this point. Uh, but the Suns not ruling him out for the entire series is not a coincidence. So th- there are things that could make it better. And no matter what, each team has to win two of the next three to win. And even series, and even slate here. So there's still a chance that things could go better for the Suns, but the reality of these players struggling the way they are is the reality of playoff basketball. And I think that's the thing about the Pelicans. You can talk about all their flaws. You can talk about all the issues, but having two shot makers makes a huge difference. It takes one defender off of the other one. (laughs) And that's the Suns advantage that they had that's now been taken away. But yeah. I know it's not smart analysis, 
And I know it kind of sucks tonight to hear even also because the Pelicans also shot like shit tonight. You really did not mm-hmm. have to shoot that much better than them and you could have been in this game. You you wasted an opportunity. Man, if you just get one game where you shoot 40% from deep as a team, is it going to come? Or are these guys just too busted to give it to us <laughs> throughout this series? It's tough. Cam Johnson, dude. They were running. Uh, he got into foul trouble, unfortunately. He played 32 minutes. But with the way he was shooting the ball, and he didn't even, like, he was three for seven. That's not that great. But, I mean, it's 40%. But with the way he was shooting the ball today, he was getting open on their stack, their Spain pick and roll every single time. I would have played him 40 minutes if he didn't get into foul trouble. But, yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's tough, too. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, who, who could step up, I think, is a big question. And, and you know, the question of if Monty changes the actual rotations is interesting because somebody was asking me on Twitter about why they made no adjustments to Chris Paul dribbling the ball up by himself. But the reality is they got one eight second violation, right? (laughs) Alvarado got him once and then they put campaign in to help him out. Once I think Monty was more aware of the severity of Chris Paul's injury, potentially. I'm not sure about that. This is just speculation. And then they also had other guys there. They, they had, Jay Crowder dribbling the ball up. They had Mikel Bridges dribbling the ball up. They had one play where Jay Crowder just threw it to Herb Jones when he was supposed to get it to Mikael Bridges instead of Chris Paul. They had things that they tried. The fact that it didn't work is a different story. They definitely had things that they tried. Finding guys who could potentially step up in Chris Paul's in state that he could potentially be in for the next game is tough because there's just not a lot of dribbling around. And I think that's why you could see somebody like Aaron Holiday joining the rotation at some point or even I hate to even say this but even Alfred Payton not to say that I would do that but I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Monty were, were to try it I'm noticing we've talked a lot about offense in this episode and I think that makes sense because the offense was so flagrantly to- horrific tonight but you also surrendered 118 points to a team that's not mm-hmm. necessarily known for its offense uh, where are you right now on the spectrum with defense of I guess on one end being that this is an effort issue and this is just guys who are not playing to their potential defensively. They're not focusing when they should be focusing and it's basically players need to clean up and and handle their shit versus the other end of the spectrum where this is a coaching issue and you change up strategy. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. The conversation of who's doing better as a coach, I mean, I think that favors Willie Green at this point, right? I agree. Yeah. That's overall, I agree. But uh, yeah. But yeah, how do you feel about defense specifically right now? Uh, I mean, Ingram, Ingram cooked again tonight, but there's a question of what what else could you do? There's one only one thing: send two guys at him. That's really yeah. your only option. And I think which they some, still they've still continued to do sometimes in early offense, like when CJ is handling the ball. But they just don't really help it when it's Mikhail or Jay, right? That's uh-huh. when it's a one on one scenario. Maybe they should. Like maybe that that is something they should do. Maybe try to make other guys dribble the ball, especially if you have. CJ isolated with Mikel on him and maybe Mikel, maybe they'll put CJ in the best possible helper position so that it has to be Mikel helping on uh, Ingram. But Ingram's done a great job passing in this series. So there's no guarantee there. The Suns have to do it. It's not just a two person thing, right? When somebody traps Ingram, you have to also shut down all the passing lanes and create the pass as, as dif- make it as difficult as possible on Ingram as well. So that's the tough part. It's an entire team thing when you trap. So that means the team has to be completely on, which is possible. They can get um, there. uh, We talked earlier about how many boneheaded plays JaVale had defensively, and he had plenty, trust me. 
you could always still pull him and sub in a small to play small ball to to fill in those extra 10 or 15 minutes or play eight and more but you know Valanciunas played 33 minutes tonight that's a lot you're risking uh really really starting to surrender the rebound battle if you do that and also like like we said you know Tori's long uh usually he's pretty effective at bothering long wings he got cooked tonight so if you're just talking about putting an extra small out there switching five out you know the one-to-one coverage isn't that's not going to stop Ingram with the way he's hitting tough shots in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in a bind a little bit right now. You are in a bind with him. Luckily, CJ has not been able to heat up really all that effectively, too. I do think mm-hmm. uh, that Mikhail has had some frustrating lapses, particularly when it comes to screen navigation in this series. Like, CJ's gotten free more than I would have liked, but uh, I, I don't think you could say that Mikhail has not done his job with CJ McCollum as his primary assignment. CJ is not having statistically a very good series. He's scoring points, but he's not doing it super efficiently. Ingram is really the guy who's been killing you at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's playing really well. Yeah, look, <laughs> Monty, is there any chance Monty goes two bigs? I hate, I hate to even bring this up to you. That's pretty wild. Um, I, again, I don't think rebounding was the big takeaway from tonight. Like, yes, they lost the rebounding battle again, but I don't think that's the direction we should be heading in. I mean, I agree. I'm just trying to predict Monty at this point. <laughs> yeah. And that's just something he seems to try at times when things are not working. You know, like maybe he tries to flip the rebounding in favor of the Suns. And maybe I think what we're I think I think what we're landing towards is Monty's gonna do something weird in game five and we have no idea what it is. But he's yeah. gonna do something. Like start Ish Wainwright or something like that. I, I mean, I don't know, dude. Bismack Biombo, twenty minutes. I mean, I, I mean, I to be honest, if I were to change the starters, I would probably start. I would probably take Jay Crowder out of the starting lineup and start some sort of combination of Landry Shamit and Cam Johnson, and just hope the offense carries you to a win. Especially if Chris yeah. Paul is hampered in any way. Because just, just basically tell yourself, we're going to shoot ourselves. Yeah, we're going to shoot, shoot ourselves. And you also have a yeah. secondary ball handler that can handle the ball outside of Chris Paul. Because look, the reality of the the Wings lineup with Chris Paul is that they can't dribble. The other guys can't dribble. So some sort of combination of Landry Shamit being able to dribble the ball up, initiate the offense, at least with the first pass. And then Cam Johnson being still in the lineup to to run snap and things like that. And also the only guy really attacking the paint outside of DeAndre Ayton, then I think that would that would help. I just would be very surprised if Monty did anything like that. I could see Landry Shamit joining the starting lineup in favor of Cameron Johnson, and you know, and keeping Jay Crowder there for defensive reasons. I'm just not really sure that Jay Crowder's doing enough against Brandon Ingram. No. If you know, he's doing a good job swap, outside of that. But if you're gonna make the swap of Landry Shamit, if you really think he's gonna be the answer there, and he did he did shoot decently well tonight, but. It's got to be going for Jay Crowder, who hasn't been pulled from the starting lineup all season long. But if you're going to make that switch, you're going to make it now. It's Landry Shamit in for Jay Crowder. Cam Johnson slides over to the four. Um, I don't think you can afford to, to... Pulling Cam for Landry just makes no sense to me. Yeah. Look, you um, keep, I've you got keep one more in there, yeah. Mm-hmm. One more lighthearted game five adjustment. TNT. They need to adjust. No Reggie Miller for oh, game please, five. God, please, God. He's so bad. <laughs> please. He's so if bad. I, if I can ask for one more adjustment, any one adjustment, that's that's got to be it. Because he was killing me tonight. Usually I don't let them get on my nerves, man. But he was tough. He was tough tonight. <laughs> he was he was very tough tonight. I agree. All right. We'll be back after Tuesday night after game five. That would be, yes, game five. 
Uh, hopefully, it's a more positive episode. I'm sorry if we bummed you out. A must-win game. <laughs> yeah, this a is it. A must-win game because you can't, go to, you can't go to New Orleans game six and have to fight for your life. Come on. Exactly. This is a must-win game. And if they lose game five, man, there's that Tuesday episode. That's going to suck. <laughs> to those of you listening this late in this sad of a podcast, we appreciate you. And even the ones who already bolted, we appreciate them too. But thank you guys for listening. We'll be back. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.